Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast, part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. I am Tara Bowen Biggs calling in from steamy Las Vegas. And joining me, as always, is Blazers outsider Danny Meringue. Also on the line and also in Vegas is Blazers Edge writer Steve DeWald. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, I'm just, I'm just glad, you know, the RA is letting Steve use the phone past 10 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually, I'm coming from you from the lovely UNLV campus in, in the lobby. I'm, I'm reliving some, some college days. I, the, you know, I forgot how roomy it was on a, on a twin bed that's about <laughs> six inches high. So it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a fun week. So is your uh, Domino's pizza delivery going to come in the middle of the podcast? <laughs> I, you know, there, there's a solid chance that, that my uh, Postmates delivery comes. I don't know if you guys are sponsored by them, but if you guys are. You we know, are now. I'm looking, for, I'm looking for promo codes. So um, definitely keep that in mind. But I will definitely not let it interfere with, with, this, with the show. Well, it's great to have it's great to have you. It's great to have the extra ambiance um, that you get from a college dorm because some of us it's been a while and it's fun to remember the days. Uh, Steve and I are in Las Vegas taking in summer league, and we will be talking about that in a minute. But we thought we should probably get ourselves caught up on free agency. Last week was kind. We were in kind of a dark place. Some people said. Um, that was right after we learned that Ed Davis was uh, going to be going to Brooklyn. Ed Davis is not coming back. The Blazers recently held a news conference to introduce the newest additions to the team. So it is time for us to look forward as well. And uh, earlier this week, so the Blazers introduced Nick Stauskas and Seth Curry. Shortly after that, we learned that the Blazers had agreed to the new contract with Yusuf Nurkic. It seems to be something like four years, $48 million. So that is where we are now. Time for us to look forward into the future. Steve, what do you think that about these moves, and what do they say about the future of the team to you? I, I think that the first thing is, like, I mean, obviously they're guards. They're not, they're not forward players. And obviously Portland's main goal here is uh, – is to, to add more shooters to probably that second unit. And uh, hopefully, I mean, if you put the ball in Evan Turner's hands, you know, he's going to be looking for these guys. And I think that's the goal. I think I like the Seth Curry signing in a vacuum. I, I think uh, if he stays healthy, that that's a great contract. He's uh, His offensive numbers are great when he's playing. I mean, it's a very small sample size because he spent time in the, in the G League and he spent time hurt. So... But if he if he can stay healthy, I think that's a good contract. But 
I, I think for me, I, I knew Portland really wasn't going to make a splash this offseason. Like, I just kind of felt that. I, they didn't really have the tools to to be one of these teams. And really, there wasn't a lot of teams that, that had a lot of tools. But, I mean, Portland definitely represents the extreme edge of that. But, um, you know, I mean, it could have went worse. It could have went better. I mean, that's just kind of the jaded summer that Portland's <laughs> kind of enduring right now. <laughs> Dan, how about you? And especially now that we know about where things are with Yusuf Nurkic, um, what do you what are you thinking the future looks like? You know, when I when I take a look at the offseason so far, um, it's kind of what we expected with some moving around of some parts here or there. Um, Seth Curry is is basically your new Shabazz Napier, less defense, more consistent shooting. That's the idea. Um, it's not going to be around for long at that rate, though, because it's an option year. So even that's not a great deal. The only real money that the Blazers committed to this this, this offseason so far is Yusuf Nurkic going forward. And they landed basically right on the number that I kept saying over and over and over again was the dividing line, $12 million per year average. Four years, $48 million. That was the line I was like, okay, they it, for them to be able to make this a value deal where Nurkic could legitimately overplay the value of his contract with his production. That was the line. And I'm stoked that Portland was able to make that happen. If there's, I've been plenty critical of just about every move made since going into the 2016 (laughs) off season. So to be able to finally make or to to be able to say, Hey, this, this looks like a good one. That's a good feeling. The rest of the stuff so far has very minimal effect other than changing pieces out with the exception of the loss of Ed Davis. That's not going to be a minimal effect because we're going to discuss here about, you know, who's going to end up replacing and taking those minutes and trying to replicate what Ed Davis brought last year. Yeah, I was, uh, do you, I mean, we don't really know what happened, but I like I, I'd been talking about, I was afraid that some other team was going to come in and make a really big offer that then Portland would match. And that is not what happened. And that doesn't seem to be happening too much. In fact, today, the Spurs actually didn't match an offer for one of their players. What do you guys think about just kind of the way free agency has gone around the league this uh, this season. Steve, maybe you want to start? I, I, I think, and I'm not the first person to say this, but I think the the massive overspends and, and some of the stuff that went down in the summer of 2016 has really come home to roost in, in, this, in the summer of 2018. And, and really, I mean, if Portland was a little better positioned, I mean, next free agency, you're going to have so many players on the market and there's going to be money out there, but there's going to be guys who are going to slip through the cracks next year too. And I, I just feel like, you know, a, as a whole, I, I just feel like I think a lot of these front offices really misjudged how the cap was going to expand. And and really, this is the case for why cap smoothing probably should have existed. Um, it's 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 crazy to see how many guys are taking the one year deals and really just betting on themselves. And it's going to be interesting to see, like, how many of those bets look good in a year and Really, it's going to be unfortunate how some of these players are actually going to, you know, if somebody suffers a, a bad injury, how that's going to impact their future. So it's it's definitely, you know, I'm really rooting for the, the I'm rooting for the healthiest year in the NBA, really, for the <laughs> players' sakes. Yeah, I, I think you're pretty much spot on there. The 
with the, with the the specific example of the Spurs not matching Kyle Anderson, I think that's that would happen no matter what year it was underneath this regime. Like they have for 22 years now run an exemplary organization where they don't they they've shown that they don't overpay. They won't do it. If somebody wants money, I mean you you can go back as easy as as George Hill. George Hill was coming up for a contract. They targeted Kawhi Leonard in the draft. They found a taker for George Hill and the India Pacers and got that pick and then got Kawhi Leonard. Um, anybody they can, they will set a price at. And if you're not willing to take that, Tiago Splitter is another guy. They, they'll move on from you. And I think that's what makes a successful organization is to make your plays, make your plans, and stick by them. Uh, I think the Blazers probably did that with Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, it appears they did that with Ed Davis as he was counseled to take $4.4 million to the Brooklyn <sighs> Nets. Um, yeah. So uh, around the league in general, yeah, the one-year offers are are pretty surprising. I mean, everybody knew that the cash is drying up, but I, th- I think more, more people thought that even though the cash is drying up, that people were going to try to at least lock in years and try to, you know, kind of backload those contracts. Um, <laughs> the problem for Portland is that everybody they signed in 2016 was a, was a four-year deal. Like, even the, even mm-hmm. the dead money is a four-year deal. So um, next year they're not going to have money either. So it's kind of a... A moot point to but talk about free agency next gonna year. that, it's going to be spend, spend, spend. Well, not really. <laughs> They're only going to have like $22 million worth of cap space. So even then, it's kind of like, oh, now what? <laughs> yeah. I, I knew that there was going to be something that happened in the front offices this season that I didn't know what it was going to be, but I knew that there were – like every once in a while – you know, history will come to this point where people have to figure out what to do because things aren't working the way that they've always been working and somebody figures out a way to do something clever. So I was really wondering what it was going to be this season with so many, many teams so strapped. And it looks like it was the the one-year contract is what ended up being the new, like, it's like almost like a new, like they always had the option to use one-year contracts before, but like they didn't need to reach for that tool. But now everybody was like, this is the one that fits right now. And it just happened to be a whole bunch of teams reached for that for that same tool. I think it'll be interesting uh, to see what happens next year, but let's go ahead and talk about the future of the team that we are, have our eyes on down here in summer league. Now we actually have basketball. I'm doing like little bunny ear quotes because (laughs) if people haven't watched much summer league before, it's a very, it's a very different game than the last basketball, which we just watched, which was, you know, the, Finals. (laughs) Finals. <laughs> it's always such a shock to go from the championship and then you have like a few weeks off and you know you see like Instagram posts of guys working out in gym and then you go to summer league and it's like, whoa, is this the same sport? There's three kinds but of plays is. that occur in summer league. Straight line drives, bat cuts on defenders that have fallen asleep, and catch and shoot wide open three pointers. That is that is oh. that is the epitome no, of, of summer tonight, league offense. No, the last to all what I like all day today, it was just dunks and blocks. It was just dunks and blocks. Well, yeah, that's straight <laughs> line drives. Game, it's 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 blocks. straight line drives all all day because there's no rotations being made. Well, I, I think I mean in defense of, of summer league, I feel like if there's 
ever been a finals that's going to prepare you for summer league, we just watched it because <laughs> on the first day I watched TJ Leaf make a pass with the time expiring. I mean, I mean, he channeled his inner J.R. Smith and just completely ruined the end of that game. So I feel like I feel like if anything, the finals have done the, the Las Vegas summer league a little bit of a favor. But yes, it is definitely a very different style. Of and don't get me wrong. I, I love it. Too. I will take it in, especially this time of year. Like you wouldn't believe like it. it I, I am fiending for it. I mean, as we're recording now, I still have it on in the background. Like, <laughs> I, oh, I, I am I craving basketball like there's no tomorrow. So. Yeah. Uh, Steve, how many times did I say to just today? Oh my God, I love summer league so much. <laughs> yes, I mean, I mean that's and that's really how I was even the first day. I mean, just watching, watching these guys that you know I've followed through the draft. Like the draft is my baby, and watching all these guys finally play. Like you see, you know, all the flaws, but you also see like I mean, you're, what you're really watching for here is the potential. Like you're watching for guys and in the rare situations where it looks like real NBA basketball you're seeing, okay, does this pass the eye test? And that's really what, what Summer League's all about is, you know, really kind of applying those filters to these situations. So oh, we, hold, on, hold on, Tara, oh, real, real quick, because before we get to the Blazers-related stuff, um, since, we, since we do have Steve and he, he loves the draft like I do, um, you've been able to see most of the, the top ten guys now. Who... Mm-hmm. Who have who has really jumped off the page for you? Who has fallen short of expectations, and who has played above their potential so far that you've seen? I mean, obviously, like everybody's kind of bashed Trey Young this week, and and it's it's been disappointing. Like I think all the, all the things like the worst case scenario situations for for Trey Young. Um, have kind of come to fruition. Like he, he's had a hard time making contested shots. He struggled with NBA defenders, and and that that's kind of that represents that end of the spectrum. But the other end is Mo Bamba looks way better than I even <laughs> Man. and 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 that guy that guy has had a couple highlight worthy dunks. He's in the right spot. And look, the Orlando Magic, like, believe it or not, like that franchise is one of the funnest teams to watch so far. And and you know, Jonathan Isaac. That front court him, though. Like they, they just have <laughs> so much potential there. And it's like you, you almost feel happy for the Magic. Like they have, they have a product that they can be excited about. And I and then, and then also like I mean, this is a guard driven league, which kind of makes this year kind of weird because there were so many big guys taken in those early mm-hmm. picks. So it's kinda of, it's kind of weird to adjust how you're watching, but like a guy like Aaron Holiday for the Pacers, like that guy look he looked great in the in the games I've watched him play and like he's moves well without the ball and he's able to run, you know, a pro style offense. So th- those are a couple of the guys that kind of stood out these these first few days for me. I want to point out as far as Trey Young's concerned, the poor guy who his one question was how would he handle supreme, supremely athletic, long NBA defenders, and his first two games are against Frank Nilakina and Wade Baldwin, who both have wingspans mm. at their position that almost nobody else in the league adds, and supreme athleticism. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as the spectrum of guys that he'll face night in and night out, and don't get me wrong, they're certainly better players, but... As far as physical attributes, I think I, I think Frankie Smokes has got a seven foot wingspan, and so does Wade, and both guys live to play defense. Um, yeah. So for for Trey, that and, one's, and then, that and, was difficult. 
and even going back to the Salt Lake Summer League, I mean, he's facing guys like Javon Carter, who you know, maybe the best defender in the league right now. <laughs> so, I mean, he's he's faced the murderer's row as far yeah. as what you can face in this level of competition. So, yeah, I mean, I do definitely cut him a break as far as what it is, but he's definitely been the talk of what's been going on so far down here. That's great. Are, do you guys want to go ahead and start with um, with questions that are a little bit more centered on the Blazers? Yeah, absolutely. Now, okay, cool. I mean, feel free to talk about other guys that you've ob- observed. Man, we watched the uh, Orlando and was that that was Memphis? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that was a that was a brutal game for our poor friends in Memphis. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, think, <laughs> I think Memphis might might have played one too many summer league summer league game. So I think, I think they might be ready to shut down some of their top guys after that game. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty brutal. Well, so our first, first question that's, you know, kind of a general question comes from Lisa from, uh, she's, uh, on women's hoops and talks, our, our Facebook group. And she said, um, she's curious about what, what you've observed. So like Steve, you being in the arena and I guess me having been in the arena, what have we observed that isn't obvious on TV? I think that's a that's a great question. One of the things that really jumps out to me is that Anthony Simons looks even younger in person. I mean, <laughs> I know he's just he's one of those people that has a baby face, and even when he's like you know a grown up, he's always gonna be he's always gonna look like he is a lot younger. But you know, compared to other people his age, he just it's out it's astounding how young he looks. But what what other some things that um, you know we, you've observed that you think uh, maybe not might not come through on TV, Steve? I, I think one of the main things is if you look on the side that's away from the benches in the front row, it's usually some established players from those teams, and then it's usually you know you got some of the the actual that like the head coach or some of the other assistant coaches there. And some of the direction they give those players during timeouts or out of bounds plays is something I'm always very interested to watch in. Like one of the guys is, is uh, Donovan Mitchell, who's been, you know, front and center in all these games. And he, uh, he's very hands-on with a lot of the Utah players. And that's something you don't really get to see on TV. And uh, Lillard had a couple moments with Anthony Simons the other day um, to piggyback on what you said about Anthony Simons. I, I got the chance to talk to him today face to face. And it is very weird to talk to, like, I think he's going to be a fine NBA player, but it's very weird to talk to a, a very baby-faced person that is also appears to be five inches taller than me. Uh-huh. And so it, it was it was a very surreal moment because I'm like, you're very young, but you're also much larger than me. So it was it was definitely a uh, it was it was definitely a moment where I was like, okay, this puts this in a little better perspective for me. But <laughs> I think that's that's my that's the main thing I kind of think you miss from TV to being here. Well, and another thing is just sort of the the camaraderie among the fans who are there, um, you know, and all the trash talk going on amongst fans that's, like, much more friendly than it would be if you were in, like, someone's home arena, right? Oh, <laughs> we would, yeah. We wouldn't be talking to each other that way, but it's more like we're just sort of all in this together. And so just the the attitude of the fan base and, um, you know, that's, that's a little bit different, and I don't know if that – comes over on TV because obviously the TV is is focused on the um, uh, on the game. Dan, I'm curious when you were watching the games tonight, 
uh, we were in the Thomas and Mac arena, which is the larger arena. And it mm -hmm. had this really weird camera thing that was like coming down and going all around. Yeah. How the fly by wire on TV. I like it when it holds still, <laughs> but they won't hold uh -huh. the damn thing still. And it, it makes it very different for, if you're trying to like, if, if for those that play 2k, it's it's like a 2K angle camera. I thought camera. that looked exactly like that. It it does, and I think that's what they're going for. But I think the problem is in reality is that it's very difficult to stay with the action when the camera follows the ball, as opposed to being center like on a center line and just slightly adjusting, perhaps, because um, you would lose. Like for example, Zach Collins when he rolled his ankle, like there was no good camera angles tonight. Um, from when that happened, the one that they had was from that sky cam and it was like the, because of the angle and they were like following the ball, you can only see like the bottom, you know, third of his leg. So You can't actually see entirely what happens. And then they've got the, uh, the Chiron running across the bottom of the screen with a ticker. So you can't even see that. So it, it was, <sighs> I, I like the idea. I, I, there's one thing I love about Summer League is they do experiment with stuff like this. Mm -hmm. And the players are mm -hmm. mic'd up as well, which is something else. I've, oh. I, 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 would, I would pay $5 a game to be like here, actual like mic'd up players every game. <laughs> like that, I, I would be all about that. And, they, and just from my previous experience, that's my favorite thing from non-TV side of being at Summer League is being down on the floor, on the baseline or on the sideline and hearing these guys talk to each other, communicate with each other, talk about the plays that are coming up, defensive help and switches, and talking trash. <laughs> that, 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 to me, is my favorite part of Summer League as far as the things outside the action that you don't get there in TV. Well, let's get into some of the questions about the, the, some of the specific players. Um, one of the ones from uh, Xander Hamilton-Reeves asked, what is the likelihood Lehman or Biggie make the rotation this year, and what sort of role will they have? Uh, Steve, do you want to start with your thoughts on Lehman and, and Biggie and what they've shown and how they might fit in? Um, just real quick on, on Swanigan is – I, I, I don't want to really say too much on him today because I don't think he really played up to his potential today. Uh, I, I think he, he plays better basketball and he has everything to play for. Because I think with that Davis gone, I think he uh, he definitely had, could earn a spot in the post rotation. But I, I don't really want to judge him too much off today's performance because it was definitely not the sharpest performance I've seen him have. As far as Jake Lehman goes, the guy play, has been playing with tremendous confidence. I mean, he's been assertive on fans. He's been in the passing lanes on defense, which is something all the Blazers have done very well, but Jake, Jake Lehman, especially, um, he had probably my favorite dunk, not just because oh. I'm a Blazers fan, but my favorite dunk of summer league so far. I mean, it was a perfectly timed putback. Um, his outside shots going, going in and he's not thinking about it when those opportunities come up. And if he can play that way, I think there's definitely a spot in, in Portland's rotation. I mean, there, there's a lot of money in front of him at small forward, but I mean, Pat Connington got minutes in that spot in, in a few scenarios. So I, I think he could, and he's played some, and Portland's rolled out some small lineups this summer too. And he's played a little bit at the four. And, you know, I, I think, I think Jake could, could claim a roster spot, but you know, I've said this about Jake Lehman before in summer league. So, so I, uh, I'm going to not try to put too much stock into it, but he's definitely looked great. 
Summer League Jake. Yeah. That's what Brian Freeman kept saying. Yeah. Summer League Jake, man. He brings it every summer. Summer League Jake. Dan, your thoughts on Lehman or Biggie from what you've seen so far? I mean, this, the overall idea of either one of these guys being in the rotation, one of them is going to be. It'll be the back end of the rotation, but one of them has to be. Like, it, it's either that or, or Portland's relying on rookies. Like, that's just mm-hmm. the reality of it. So, well, they threw us that loop last year. They relied on rookies that we weren't, we, we were not expecting Collins. I didn't think we, were, I wasn't expecting that Collins was going to get as much playing time as he did last year. Uh, and he did. So, you know. Yeah, I don't know if there was much relying on rookies as, oh crap, we're out of options. Like, I mean, I, I think there's, there's a difference between the two. Um, Gary Trent Jr. Um, has shown that he can score off the bounce or get his shot off the bounce, getting to the rim is another thing. Anthony Simons, well, I'm seriously in love with his jumper. Beyond that, I haven't seen anything that from him that shows that he's NBA ready to go. So I think that those spots are, will more than likely fall to the new free agents. And as far as the, the front court goes, there's minutes to be had there. Will, is Collins ready to take 30 of them, or will Swanigan get 8 to 10 a night? Um, Jake Lehman could fit in there as well as, as far as like a, a stretch four um, and on certain nights. Dude's a big dude. He's, the thing about Lehman is, is like if you were going to build a guy, this is, we say this about a lot of guys in the Blazers, if you were going to build a guy in a lab, he's, he's a good 3-4. I mean, he's 6'9". He's he is actually really athletic, incredibly bouncy. His first step is great. He's got a great-looking jumper. Um, like he ticks a lot of the boxes. It's like, but is the confidence there when the Blazers need it to be? Because if he can show right, up and well, shoot, then, <laughs> I mean, there's time for him on the floor. What I wonder with him is that is is it like did he not get playing time before just because there were too many people in front of him, or is he you know out muscled you know too much size too much too much you know more athleticism than he has so i'm really curious to see like without Con- pat Connaughton in there um what jake can do cuz man he just <laughs> i think it's he, equal opportunity he's so athletic his he's got he's a highlight reel i mean he really is yeah i mean he's he got be. he's got bunnies he can he can score off the catch and shoot he can shoot off the catch and shoot he's got a quick trigger release I mean, he again, he ticks a lot of boxes. And for Swanigan, he needs to be able to do one of two things to make it on the floor. One, he needs to move with anticipation on defense. Or two, be able to stretch the floor consistently on offense. Uh, I have no trouble believing that he will be an effective passer and that he will work his butt off for the extra possessions and rebounds. Like, I know he can do that at an NBA level. But he's got to find a way to be a plus on the defensive side or a plus on the offensive side consistently to justify the minutes outside of spot minutes here or there when somebody's in foul trouble. If he can do either one of those, then there's a realistic chance that he gets 10 to 12 minutes a night. Okay. Let's see. Let's move on to another question. This one by Chris Nordby. Um, by trade deadline, with our starting, will our starting three be somebody on our current roster? I think that he left out a word on that in, in that by, one. By the trade um, deadline, will our starting three be somebody on our current roster? He's, he's asking, is, is our starting three going to be oh, basically Harkless, Aminu, the layman, Trent? I mean, I, I don't know if Trent was 
will play the three, but there's a there's a there's a world where he could or Stauskas. I mean, um, oh, starting three. I thought they meant starting like three players, but he means like the person in that position. The small the forward, third. yeah. Okay. The de facto small forward. It's late at night. Forward. Forgive me. Yeah, no, I got you. That's that's <laughs> what, that's what I'm here for. Uh, we're we're on the we're on the Vegas sleep deprivation diet. Yeah, right I, I, I I expect nothing <laughs> less. That's I was like, our starting three. I thought it was starting five. I, yeah, it's really. I'm <laughs> no, no, fast. no. This is this is the big three, three on three tournament. That's that's where right, we right, were right. into. Um, there's a there's probably a forty percent chance that it's somebody different, because if the Blazers are going to do what they've done for the last few years, which is to try to scramble to make a move to get under the salary line, uh, the the tax line, then yeah, the, <laughs> they're they're going to try to move one of those big albatross contracts um, or Alfred Camino. Um, and then I think that the, the position they're likely targeting um, to replace one of those guys is at the three, whether that's a, a veteran on a minimum deal or a young guy, kid who's looking for a reclamation project. Um, I, I, <laughs> there is not a spot on this roster that is more unsafe than the small forward position for the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah. I, I, Are I there think... any of the guys? Oh, go ahead. No, no I, go ahead, I, Steve. I, I, well, I think I think Dan basically nailed it, and I think Portland's obviously had an eye on that position. I mean, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, we almost had Mario Hazonja, Hazonja for almost five ten minutes, and I mean <laughs> that guy was a potential guy who could have pushed for minutes at the small forward spot, and and I mean outside of that, I I really thought Portland's best chance to get an upgrade at small forward is is now playing for the Philadelphia 76ers in Wilson Chandler. So I think, uh, I think it's definitely a spot they're looking at. Like Dan said. So of any of the guys that are, that were watching um, play, I mean, we have, they're all like twos, I guess, but could anybody, I mean, would you, could you see Baldwin in that three or is he pretty much a two? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if you can play Baldwin of the three. I think I think Gary Trent Jr. like like Dan alluded to was like I think there's there's certain matchups and games where I think Gary Trent could probably play small forward, but I I don't know if he's a, a starting small forward quite yet. Okay. Um, more questions about summer league, or these are some observations um, by uh, Patrick Bernhard uh, Collins. Looking good on defense, has range and good in transition, struggles in the half-court set. Uh, Steve, how do you generally agree with that? I mean, as, as long as that half-court set doesn't really include defense. I mean, I think I think Collins' defense has been solid this year. I mean, yes, he, he faced some bigger opponents, especially against Utah. But I, I think his footwork's there. I think I think he's getting to everywhere he needs to go on offense. Yeah, I mean, his his post-game is, is still needs work, but... I think when he's playing, you know, regular season minutes with Portland's current backcourt, I know that they, the the line out of the organization is to to focus more on his post game and utilize him in the post. But really, I mean, I think his bread and butter in the regular season on offense is going to be the pick and pop game and spacing the floor for Dame and CJ. So I, I think he has a spot in half court sets. In the summer league half court sets, I, I I can definitely see that that criticism as as accurate. I, in the um, latest edition of Trailblazers Courtside, they talked to the summer league coach, and he said that one of the things that they're going to try to do at summer league is put 
Collins into some of the positions that he struggled with uh, in the regular season, <laughs> which was to um, have him match up against smaller, like on defense, having him match up against smaller guards, and then on offense, switching on to smaller players so that he could, you know, have the um, the preferred matchup. Have you have you seen much of that? I've seen him running around on the perimeter a lot. What have you seen in terms of you know those uh, you know what he said? I mean, well, the the game today. I mean, it was a little shortened because of the injury, but against Utah, I mean, it was definitely like Kev Swanigan is the center on this team, and mm-hmm. Zach Collins is is his duty is going to be switching on the perimeter, and, and for the most part, he did good. I, I think he moved his feet well. I think he uh, he prevented penetration, which it was key. And and when it fell apart, I mean, at least he was guiding players towards Swanigan, which is you know kind of that last line of defense. So I uh, I, I I can see the effort, but like as far as as offense goes, I, I think the work the work in the post is still needs. I still haven't seen him make NBA post moves consistently against NBA level competition. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much spot on. Collins has looked incredibly uncomfortable in the post. Uh, in, in, let's just put it this way. Collins has looked incredibly uncomfortable any time that they're asking him to be a big guy, to use his strength, to use his size. He's not comfortable doing it. You put him in open space or he's coming in from the weak side to block a shot or in transition to, to finish uh, – on a fast break or on a late or secondary catch and shoot. Those are all places where he's looked good. Every time he's posted up, he's been off balance. He's gone to a spin move or a turn and fade where his footwork doesn't look good at all. Um, Almost all of his jumpers where he's trying to create for himself have hit the front of the rim um, because he's having to fade away because he's not creating enough space. Like all the little things that go into being successful on the offensive end in the half court, aren't there for him like in, in any way, shape, matter, or form, which is why he's shooting 5 of 17 so far through Summer League. Um, but defensively, I think he's done some really nice things. I saw a lot of people get really excited about the blocks. I, I don't get excited about a lot of blocks in Summer League um, because, like we talked about coming into the podcast, a lot of it's straight-line drive stuff. Um, and Zach Collins will absolutely feast on straight-line drives if he's the help defender. I mean, that's, that's, that, that is his wheelhouse, and he will eat guys up, and that's what he's done there. Uh, I think uh, Steve is absolutely right. He's done a really good job of funneling people one way or the other. Defensively, I'm not worried about Zach Collins at all. But for those that think that he's going to all of a sudden just spring to life offensively, I mean, keep in mind, this is a guy that shot forty per, under 40% from the field last year and shot under 32% from three and doesn't have the strength necessary to be successful in the post. They, they mean, the, I mean, the Blazers are I, trying I to keep those, away from I think Hawks. those numbers are a little skewed, though, just because of how cold his start was. I think I think if you look at the second-half stats, I'd be interested. I mean, I could be way off on this, but the second-half stats have to be better because his his field goal, missed field goal to make field made field goals was just horrendous through, like, the first 25 games, which I think might severely impact those numbers. But I, I, I go back to what I said on, on, as far as the offense goes. I think – yeah, I don't think he's going to be a post scorer anytime soon, but I think he will be able to space the floor in, w- alongside Portland starting guards when, when when necessary. If he can get to where thirty seven percent from three is a realistic number, I then great. 
I, I hope that, that that happens. But so far, he really hasn't shown the propensity to be consistent in his form in, on any spot on the floor, whether it's in the catch-and-shoot in the mid-range, whether it's like a, a, a pick-and-pop, whether it's a corner three, whether it's a post move. Everything's off balance. Everything's rushed. And again, that's part of being young. So if people are expecting him to all of a sudden make this tremendous leap because he's getting more minutes or usage, I, I would say to temper those expectations pretty substantially because – it, it just hasn't been there yet. So to expect it to just kind of come out of nowhere, uh, I think is a pretty big leap. Maybe you guys can help me when in the, one of the press conferences that um, Neil Olshay had, I can't remember if it was uh, during, it was the introduction one or the combine one. He talked a little bit about Zach's role and about wanting to get him more into the post. And I think he was, talking about wanting him to be more in the space that maybe I guess that Ed Davis was in. I think that's kind of what he was implying, but Dan, you were just talking about him needing to be shooting the three. So what do you think the future is going to be for Zach Collins? Is he going to be a three point shooting uh, four or five? Is he going to be a traditional five? You I know, think he needs to be. Where do you, where a, do you see the development going? It, I think he needs to be a, a modern uh, four-five. Party. We, we we have the uh, the RA checking on the dorms there. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going down in the UNLV dorms. <laughs> Day, Dayton, Dayton South. Just just I'll drop a pin later. Shout out. <laughs> but I mean, the RA is going to come in and yeah. bust everybody up. I get. You know, it's Sunday night in the summer. I don't know if anybody's here. So yeah, probably not. Just, just F- FYI, anybody <laughs> in the area. So Collins finished last season, post-All-Star break, shooting 42% from the field and 30% from three, which, again, that's that's the second half stretch of the season where he's getting 17 minutes a night. Um, I, again, I I think really, he looks... That April. I'm looking at his monthly splits, and it was that April that really was... He had a rough time. I'm looking at the post-All-Star March. break. He, he had... He, he had a rough year shooting the ball. I mean, that's what it comes down to. He was not an effective shooter. He had like two or three games where he was effective um, in spurts where he, I think there was one game where he had like 12 or 13 points and everybody went crazy. Like he, he okay, dropped 40. So he went from 38% pre all-star break to 42.2 in uh, post all-star break. Yes. For a seven footer who operate, whose majority of shots were coming inside the paint, not outside. So okay. again, this is why I think the idea of having him be a back to the basket guy, especially right now, isn't there yet because this, this, the strength isn't there. So I see him more as a new style or modern era big because of his mobility. I mean, guys are going to have trouble tracking him on, on, the, on the perimeter if he can be an effective shooter uh, outside the paint. And then you get the idea of, of getting him in pick and pops and pick and rolls. It, I think getting him the ball in space because he is quicker, because he's more athletic and more agile than guys that are typically that big, that's that's the opportunity. There was, there was one play where he caught on the uh, short roll on the left-hand side um, in the uh, in the game today, um, where he finished. Uh, I, I think it was I think it was Baldwin drove in and, and uh, Zach came in and cut on the backside of the play. Um, and was able to finish in traffic. And that's when I was like, okay, that's, that's where he's going to be good at the rim is okay. coming in off the cut as opposed to trying to post him up. Because I just, I haven't seen a matchup in the post where he's really favored yet. 
Steve, do you have additional thoughts on the type of player that they may be trying to develop Collins into? I, I just hope they uh, handle his development a little bit better than they did with Myers Leonard. Yeah, and that's, exactly. That's my, that's my mic drop right there. Like, I, I think... I think I think a lot of Zach Collins' biggest problems is that he's 20 years old, and I, I just think he is a he's a work in progress. I mean, they're making an effort to make him bigger, um, but Timber I just, expectations. like Dan said, I think it's I, I think his his real future is as that as a mobile guy, and I I am a little hesitant to put a lot of eggs in the in the true post player, back to the basket type player. Like I, I feel like that might be a, a, a miscast. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see what the next um, press conference brings for <laughs> the expectations for uh, Zach Collins' future. Let's see. Do we have any more questions that we want to talk about that are focused on Summer League? Let's see. There was one more that was it wasn't uh, from Xander again that wasn't about Summer League, but it's about my favorite player. Yes. So let's go we, ahead we and talk about that, that one. one. Where would you rate Chief on the jack-of-all-trades spectrum? He's about as close as we have. Mo is ineligible until he can play three good games in a row. Well, hopefully that will happen soon. So, yeah, Chief on the jack-of-all-trades spectrum. That's a great question. Uh, Do you want to start with that, Steve? I I would put him somewhere between probably Maba Mute and... I'm trying to think of a good Blazer example. I mean, he's definitely better than who would you say the last Jack of all trades Blazer was? Like, I would say maybe like, Tra- like a Travis. Yeah. Wesley, or- Wes, I- Nick thinking- or Stacy Ogman. Those are the three like yeah, modern St- era. Yeah. And you know, I love the Stacy Ogman comparison actually, but we've been looking at his, his Jersey retired Jersey number in the rafters all week at UNLV. But <laughs> I, I, I think uh, there's a lot of, there's a few blazers up there too. We, I got a, got a chance to speak with Greg Anthony just a little bit in passing. So that, that was also good, but back to the question at hand, I think Alfred Camino, um, the Dave Deckard had an excellent article on the implications of Yusuf Nurkic uh, his extension, and if Portland is really looking to save money, um, that that Alfred Camino contract is definitely one that could be moved. And I think we will realize in Portland how uh, how valuable mm-hmm. his skill set is if he is moved. So I know that's not really a, a firm answer, but that's that's kind of I think we will we will find out what a what a big hole there will be if he gets moved at the trade deadline. The Aminu-sized hole in, in the in the Blazers' heart will only be matched by the Aminu-sized hole in Tara's heart. Um. Yeah, I want you guys to know that I you know I will go on. A lot of people were like afraid that I was going to like completely fall apart when Ed Davis you know left. And while I'm sad to see him go, I understand the mechanics of the league and how things work. So, you know, I can handle it. And I will be able to handle it if like, it gets traded. I'm just if, saying, I'll be okay. Not, if I just want everybody to appreciate him while he's here. Cause I'm not sure that everybody always has, but I think they are starting. I think after the, at least the second half of next, last year, um, people really realized how important that he was. And I just want to make sure that people appreciate him. Like if if you're not able to handle anything, I, I hear Neil O'Shea is very good at counseling you on on these yeah. on, on the so, offers. So if you, 
Yeah, if you if you want to if you want to if you need a shoulder to cry on, he might be available. <laughs> yeah, every every time I uh, get disappointed because I'm not offered what I was hoping, I'm gonna go ask for uh, Neil to counsel me on that. Um, as, as far as like where I'd rate Aminu though, um, I think he rates incredibly high as far as like a jack of all trades player. Um, not just in Blazers history, but in the NBA right now. I think uh, Steve brought up a perfect example in, in Luke Richard and Bob Mute. I think PJ Tucker's another one of those guys. Um, there aren't, like, if you think about, like, the 80s and 90s and early aughts, I think there were a lot of these guys in the league. You had the Shane Battiers of the world. Um, but I, it's more than just 3 and D now. Like, Aminu is, is a 3 and D guy, but he's, he's, he's what I call, you know, the glue guy. You know, doesn't need the ball. Um, there's there's three and D guys that are high usage guys. Aminu is a guy that, when I think of jack of all trades guys, those are the guys who you can literally plug on every single roster in the NBA and it'll work. And I think Aminu is <laughs> one of those guys. And apparently the cops believe so too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, What's uh, going down? What's going down? Look, I, uh, I, I am going to probably be sending my daughter to college in 18 years, and I don't know. If, I love UNLV campus, but I'm not sure this is quite the neighborhood that, <laughs> that I'm envisioning for, for the future here. It's a Sunday night, fam. I, uh, and so my, have, apo- my apologies for anybody who is driving right now, because that is one of my biggest podcast pet peeves, <laughs> is, is what just happened right there. So so my apologies, because I, I broke I broke the Steve DeWald podcast broke golden rule right there. <laughs> oh, well, I have a question to go bring uh, about Aminu to bring us back actually to the summer league topic. We talked, okay, so when after the initial shock of Davis leaving war off, I did recall that the year that we drafted Collins and Swanigan, I said, oh, that's because we're preparing for the day when Ed and um, Noah Vonley leave. So that appears, you know, to be in fact what had happened. Um, we haven't ever talked about who would fill Aminu's role, uh, you know, when he moved, and if he moved on. I'm looking at the new guys that have come in, and I see a lot of guys who are either good on offense or good on defense. Oh, God, this is the darkest so timeline. So who do you think would have the most potential? I'm not. I don't want to touch that. It's not just good. Let me enjoy... Gary Trent Jr. and Anthony Simons looking good in summer league because this is, we're going to a dark place if you yeah. start talking about this. And, next and everybody wants to scream at Zach Collins, Zach Collins, Zach Collins, Zach Collins. Like Zach played 17 minutes last year and put up 4.4 and 3.3. I, I keep hearing he had this remarkable year, and I'm like, guys, even if you think he's going to be this superstar, he did not show anything of consistent production outside of weak side shot blocking and a solid defensive player. Like if you're expecting Zach Collins to come in and develop a three point shot and shoot nearly 40% and be a versatile defender on the one through five in the starting lineup, that's a hell of a jump for a 20 to 21 year old kid. Like that. So you're saying that it's not Zach Collins. I think he's probably the one everybody wants it to be, but I, I don't necessarily want it to be because I don't think he's ready for that level yet. Like, let's work through these things and progress through these things, but the problem for the Blazers is the next available guy in line is probably Zach Collins, and that's, that's quite a precipitous drop. And again, I think it, it underscores the point of how good and how valuable uh, Alfred Camino's production uh, in and out of the box score 
truly is the Blazers. So I went in a completely different, I didn't even think about Zach Collins in that, in that realm. I was thinking about somebody who started off first being good at defense, you know, and making defense his uh, focus, who could layer in on top of that and who could add the shooting. So I was thinking of Baldwin, who hasn't even really made the team yet. What do you guys think, to kind of wrap up the whole discussion about Summer League, what do you guys think the chances are? So Baldwin is uh, currently not guaranteed. Uh, we haven't even talked about Papa Giannis, who's also Yeesh. not guaranteed. I, I don't think we need to talk about him. No, I think <laughs> I think we've reached that point. I think five moving screen calls in two games as a guy who's seven foot one, three hundred pounds. I think that's enough of a red flag to kind of be like, all right, cool, good luck to you, dude. Okay, but do you guys think that um, that Baldwin has a uh, an opportunity? Let's say he becomes his, you know, his best. Like, is he the type of player who could end up like, you know, like an Alpha Rukaminu type player? Like, does he have? Do you think, you know, the the basis of a foundation or of enough, just at least similar style of play that he could, you know, really apply himself and end up in that type of a position, or is that just like a completely separate type of player? He's a guard version of that. He's not a he's not a wing version, even though his wingspan's quite spectacular. Um, his size is going to preclude him from guarding threes and fours consistently. Like. Ones and twos, absolutely. Some threes, sure, but he's just not big enough, broad enough, strong enough to be a guy who can guard three fours. But being a, a guard version of that, if he can if he can develop his jump shot through the same career arc and trajectory that Al Farouk Aminu has, because remember, Aminu was a non-shooter in the beginning of his career. Uh-huh. Same, same with, with That's what uh, I mean. That's where I was going. Yes, if you're, if you're talking about career arcs and, tra- and, and projections, like – if he can have that kind of growth, then yes, absolutely, he can be that kind of player. And I think you're seeing, I think Steve would probably agree with this, that even if it's not with Portland, somebody's picking up his damn contract and giving him a camp invite because he has been spectacular. If not mm-hmm. if not the best player at Summer League so far, one of the three best. He has been on it every minute he's been on the floor, and you can tell he wants to get that guaranteed money somewhere. Yeah, I, I think I think you're definitely looking at a guy in Wade Baldwin who thought he was in a guaranteed situation in Memphis and mm-hmm. then, you know, kind of is not after being released, is not going to take anything for granted this year. And and I would say, yeah, he's definitely one of the best three players I've watched this year. Um, the, the big thing with me is like with what worries me about him his future with Portland is, you know, Portland's cap situation is very much in play here. Mm-hmm. And Portland currently doesn't have any two-way contracts and I could see Portland filling that last spot with, you know, a rotation of two-way players where they're bringing them in and out of, of the lineup and on the roster. Um, that being said, I, I think like Dan, as far as positional versatility, versatility goes, I think Baldwin is the guard version of Aminu, but the, the beauty of Aminu is, is he can hold his own against all five positions. Yeah, whereas, exactly. I believe Wade, Wade Baldwin there, I'd be hard pressed to find very many power forwards. You're going to want to see him mashed on for more than a couple possessions. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I think I think that's kind of the line there. But I, I I think the money. I think if we're if we're really going to as as uh, Peter Sampson says on his show, you know, the save save Paul Allen's money question. I think that the biggest the biggest test for that is going to. To, to be what the Blazers do with Wade Baldwin's contract, because 
through two games, he's definitely earned it. I mean, I don't even think he needed to play today to earn it. His performance against Utah was very clear that he has a skill set to be on an NBA roster. So one, one last question on summer league that I have, who is your, the, the player who just, just for summer league has really just worked their way into your consciousness, worked their way into your heart. For me, it is Gary Trent jr. His shot is so beautiful. I'm loving watching him. And also the couple of interviews that I've seen with him, he just, Dan, you talked about having spoken with him at hoop summit and I can see what you mean about him being just completely natural, totally at ease with a, microphone in his face and uh just like totally he seems like he's a pro's pro the son of a pro (laughs) he learned from a pro and could really be a pro do you guys have anybody who's wormed their way into your hearts i mean we're talking about our feelings here for the blazers for me it's 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 simon's um just how intriguing he can be uh, I had watched tape of him, but again, you're watching him against other high schoolers, so there's no, really no way to, to measure that or calculate that. You know, how quick is his release? Um, how explosive is he? Um, and there was a quote that I heard from Damian Lillard talking to Simons today about how you need to let everybody know you're the first-round pick. Like, you, you go be that alpha dog, and I, I think there's a little bit of that in Simons. And I like that mentality. I want a guy who's got some dog in him, and I hope he takes Damian Lloyd's advice. And I really like the look of his jumper um, because it, it is such a quick release, and it's very modern um, as, as far as how his setup, how he can get it going right, he can get it going left, he can hit it with the step back. I mean, he's 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 got an NBA-caliber release already, and I think that's the most difficult thing for guys coming into the league is the ability to get that release cleanly in <laughs> oh it's all good man it's, it sounds it's, it's like the a, ambient. it's the it's ambience. almost curfew yeah, yeah I, think, I think some people might have made their way back from, from downtown uh, yeah, they, the, they are through the foyer. So perfect. sorry, Dan. Oh no, you're all good, man. I was saying, just, Simon's is intrigued me. This and, is a true summer league edition of you guys. Absolutely, so, man. You're welcome. It's summer league and summer camp. Uh, the other guy, well, and it, it's 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 no secret is Mo Bamba. Like to to see that he is able to get out there and succeed with NBA level length and athleticism, and not just succeed, excel. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed every second on the, on the, of his on the floor. I'm actually watching the replay right now where he has absolutely smothered uh, the number four overall pick, Jaron Jackson, to oblivion. So that those, those, are, those are some of the things that I've really enjoyed so far this summer league. How about you, Steve? Before I mean, security as, comes and locks you out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> as far as, as far as, as for me, for both, as far as Blazers and non other ones, as a, as non-Blazers is a uh, is is redemption story. So once again, I, I've fallen in love with Jake Lehman at Summer League. Like I, <laughs> I, I'm like this guy should be playing. And and then on the other one, the, the more random one is I, I was sitting in the gym, and I see I'm a huge Game of Thrones guy, and I see this guy who looks like a, you know a, a Dothraki blood rider, <laughs> and I'm like who is who is this guy? And I'm looking, and then I'm starting to shuffle through. The, you know, websites in the program. And sure enough, it is, it is the return of Byron Mullins <laughs> who is, who is on the Orlando magic team. And, you know, with the Byron mustache, is, 
he he is still Byron Mullins, but the fact that you know he's coming out here, he's still trying to be a stretch five. Like you know, I appreciate that. I, I think Byron Mullins is always going to have a soft spot in my heart. So so those are those are my two guys. I, I, I just I just love that those guys are out there. But like Dan said, Mo Bamba has been electric. Uh, Aaron Holiday looked really good from what I've seen, and uh, you know Mo Wagner is is yeah as much as. It pains me to really like a Laker. I think he's been fun to watch. He's, he's enjoying his time engaged. too. Yeah, he, so. he he's having fun out there. So th- those are those are my guys from this week. Well, that's that's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Steve, and um, for entertaining us with the background um, soap <laughs> opera of the dorm life. It's been a while for me, and but it was fun to relive it through you. Uh, yeah. We want to tell folks uh, how they can find your work on work. Yeah, so uh, at Steve D Hoops uh, is how you can follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm going to be trying to stay up to date as far as summer league stuff goes. And then I have stuff pretty regularly coming out on Blazer's Edge. I'm probably going to do a, uh, a full diary of my time here in Vegas. And uh, I'll be doing uh, analysis after Tuesday's game before I hop on my, my flight back to Portland. So I will, uh, I will be trying to do my best to, to get the stories out. I'm hoping to, uh, to get something out on uh, Archie Goodwin's pursuit of the Summer League all-time scoring record, which he is currently <laughs> trailing by four. 14 points. He did not play today, but if he gets in, the 14 points could go fast if Archie's not. So, so that, those are some fun nuggets to look for from, from, from me coming up. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Steve. Um, I can be found on Twitter at TCBBigs. You can also catch my other podcasts, Women's Hoops and Talks, every other Thursday. We got one coming out this week, and you can follow the Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks. Dan, you want to take us out of here? Yes, so I want to thank Steve and Tara, or Steve, for joining Tara and I. There we go. Uh, on the pond this week, and from the sunny, sweltering heat of Las Vegas, which is actually uh, ten degrees cooler than normal this this time around. <laughs> it's not one hundred twenty; oh, it's yeah. only one hundred ten. <laughs> I felt like I'd been put in a crock pot. Yeah, I just I, left on l- slow heat all day. Yeah, I love the uh, I love the. Uh, the feeling of like opening a door from an air conditioned building and getting hit in the face like a blow dryer. Um, <laughs> but now that you know where you can find them, make sure you subscribe and like uh, the Blazers Edge podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, everywhere else for your podcast needs. You can find me on Twitter at DMARANG, at DMARANG, on NBC Sports Northwest, Blazers Downsiders Tuesdays and Thursday nights. And this Thursday night, we've got a cool thing. If you guys are in the Portland area, if you're baseball fans, you want to come out and sit check out a cool event. Uh, the Blazers Downsiders will be throwing out the first pitch and doing a live show from Walker Stadium where the Portland Pickles are playing. It's the basketball Blazers-Pickles crossover. It's the Dill City Portland Pickles as opposed to the Rip City Portland Pickles. Uh, it'll be a cool time uh, if you guys want to come out there and shoot shoot some stuff and uh, talk basketball. Shane, Joe, and I will be out there. Um, make sure you like, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Undo it all and do it all over again so you can manipulate the ratings because that's what we're here for. For Steve, for Tara, I'm Danny. We'll go ahead and catch you guys next week. And, uh, wait, here's... I forgot oh, wait. to do a Blazer 5 gaming update. Blazer 5 Tara. gaming, they are back in their winning ways. That's all I'm going to say. There I just want go. everybody to know Blazer 5 gamers <laughs> are back in their winning ways. And yes. with that, And I'm with out. the number one seed heading into the tournament. So... <laughs> All right, folks, we'll go ahead and catch you next time. Take care.